And welcome once again, folks, to Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. The number, as always, is 201-939-4513. I am Russ Salzberg, joined by my buddy today, Paulie Dots, Paul Dottino. Uh, we want to remind all of you that Big Blue Kickoff Live here is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the remainder of the season, which is two games. And unfortunately... It is playing now for Strictly Pride. There are no playoffs, uh, quite frankly, uh, Paul. Uh, well, you know, it was all wishful thinking, uh, realistically, and I, I've said this several times, uh, if they would have made it or, or won out, that would have been great. It was no guarantee that they would have gotten in anyway. And the, the point is this, if they could win the last two, seven and nine, considering where they were, that still would be very good. Uh, they've won two more than already than they've won last year. Is it disappointing the last week? Sure it is. No question about it. You know, they came up, uh, I, I, I call it a butt-kicking, an old-fashioned uh, old whoop-ass beating, whatever you want to call it. It was what it was, and now they have to move forward. What I did like yesterday, Paul, uh, I got a feeling you're going to agree with me. I like the attitude from what I heard from Pat Shermer and from the players, mm -hmm. we're here to win games. You know, Sterling Shepard was asked, no, we come into work, we're looking to get W's, and we move forward. There's no uh, attitude that the games don't matter. Uh, we're playing to win, and that's the attitude that they should have. Well, you know, Russ, we, we have both been around some teams that, that did not have very good Decembers, and you have seen guys at times fracture. That's not the case here. Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman have done an awful lot of work to build a unified locker room, uh, a, a locker room that's full of guys who care, not just about winning, but also for each other. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not going to start singing Kumbaya or any of that other stuff. But what I am going to say is that's a really good locker room right now. And the fabric and the foundation of what Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer have sought since the beginning of the offseason has started to grow here. And to be honest, and I, I know that fans don't want to hear this. The NFL doesn't want to hear it either. It's about W's and L's when they print the standings and when they send out playoff bids. Yeah. I get that. Without question. Okay? I but, totally get that. But. There's a huge but here. A huge but. Bigger than Dumbo the Elephant's butt, if you will. And that big butt says that the Giants have done a tremendous amount of work of turning over the dirt and putting new grass seed down so that they could grow this thing into something really good moving forward. And think about it. 13 active players on the team this past week that were on the team last year. Russ, I would say right now there's a very good chance as many as three dozen of these players, maybe even a couple of more, will stick going into 2019. That is what will define this season as a success and as a positive step moving forward. And as long as you understand that, then you can swallow it a whole lot easier than the folks who just want to kind of sit in the mud and get angry about, oh, the Giants didn't do this, the Giants didn't do that, they've got an old quarterback, they didn't make the playoffs. Why soak yourself in that misery when there really is one terrific positive 
to be gained from this year, and that is they're a heck of a lot closer to being a real playoff team than they were 12 months ago. Well, I, I think you just hit on something. They're closer than they were 12 months ago. Uh, again, this was a 3-13 and 13 team. And, and, folks, I know a lot of you guys out there and gals, you know, don't want to hear it, and, and you're saying to yourself, oh, you know, Russ and Paul, this sucks. You know, uh, it's another losing season. We haven't gotten into the playoffs. I get it. I get where you're coming from. But, again, as Paul said, 13 guys remaining on the roster. Uh, uh, they had to move forward. And I'll say this about Dave Gettleman. This job... When Gettleman took over, and I've heard this from people, this job that Gettleman took, it wasn't a job for a first-time general manager. Okay, Th There was a lot of work that needed to be done. Not just turning over talent, but attitude and culture. A and it has worked. The reason it has, it has worked to a point, because the culture has changed. Paul's in there every day, so am I. And I'm telling you, it's not a negative attitude. I mean, the attitude yesterday w was good. Believe me, and I've, you've heard me say this, and some fans have argued with me when, when you would say, well, Russ, you say that the, nobody hates losing worse than the players. Well, but it, we, the fans, feel that. No, let me tell you, nobody was more pissed off about their performance, for lack of a better term, nobody was more upset about their performance than the players. They got whipped. Offense, defense, both sides of the, every which way, they got whipped and beat up, okay? But you got to move forward. I love, you know, people are trying to get, you know, Pat Shermer yesterday to say, well, we're going to make this change and that change. I mean, how stupid can it be? And, you know, some of the questions that nobody has to agree with Russ, nobody has to agree with Paul, nobody has to agree with you. But when you're asking a head coach, what, what do you expect him to say? No, Eli is, is done. No, we're going to make a change. Well, that's what we're going to do with two games left in the season. That's what we're going to do. We're going to say, yeah, let's pack, pack, pack it in. That's it. Th that's going to motivate your players to try and win games these last two games. It's stupid. It's silly. I, I mean, the crap that I've heard for the last three days, is, is the team better without, I mean, heard on, on, on the fan. Is the team better without suggesting that the team might be better without Odell Beckham Jr.? Are you a moron? <laughs> I mean, is your head up your rear end that you can't see anything? I mean, it, it's stupid. It, it really is. It, it, it's beyond silly. It, it's just flat-out nonsensical. It's, it's just saying stump, something for the sake of saying it, let me create something. It doesn't work that way. You know, I, I mean, this is a team that is being restructured. Uh, it has begun this year. They started off miserable at 1-7, and seven, and now they have to move forward. And whether – trust me, the players are disappointed. Make no mistake about that. They are disappointed. They wanted to believe that they could have rolled, you know, run the table and, and have won – you know, would have won their eight games. It hasn't worked out that way. So now, you know, if they can win the last two, they go six and two. Well, let's see what happens. You know, they certainly do have their hands full this week because that's a very tough team that they're going to be facing in the um, The Colts are still Coast. alive for the division title. Well, they are and, going to play just absolutely great football. I'm and, pretty sure of that. And 
when you know we're hearing all this talk about young quarterbacks and Mahomes and and Goff and this and that, and they're all sensational. You get no argument from me there. But that fellow, that quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, got through his injuries for a year and a half. Andrew Luck is back in a big way. Oh, there's no question. In a big you, way. You could make He's a, as good as it gets in the NFL. You could make a very strong argument that if you took 30 people and asked them, who is the comeback player of the year, 10 would pick Odell Beckham Jr., 10 would pick Andrew Luck, 10 might pick J.J. Watt. Yeah, I, I mean, mean yeah, no. I these mean, three guys yeah. have really come off the canvas. W- w- without question, but I mean, Andrew Luck has come all the way back. So the, the Giants will be up against it when they face it's him a tough game. this way. It, it is a very tough game. Uh, Paulie, shall we open up the Let's phone go. lines? 201-939-4513 is the number. Again, quick reminder that uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live here is presented by Coors Light. So download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout this season, which is two games left. Let's start off with our friend in uh, Watertown, New York, Dylan. How you doing, Dylan? You're on with Russ and Paulie. What's going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going today, guys? Hello. Going okay. Yeah, I, I normally call from Canton, but I'm home from the holidays for uh, college now. So Good oh, for good you. For Enjoy. You. <laughs> where, where is home? Uh, Watertown. Oh, okay, good. What's going on? Um, I wanted to talk a little bit um, about both sides of the ball um, from this past Sunday. I'll start with the defense. Um, I mean, all, all year I've kind of been wondering how, it, how it's going to be moving forward with the 3-4, um, especially against the run. Um, I think, well, obviously um, losing Snacks Harrison, that was, that was a big, uh, big loss with the run stopping. But um, obviously, Derrick Henry had a had a big game against us. He had one the week before too, and uh, I mean the guy the guy is practically a linebacker running the football, so he's he's pretty hard to bring down. He's a solid guy. He can run fast and make moves. Um, but I think some of the the tackling on Sunday it was. I mean I know he's hard to bring down, but I think it was just um, they struggled with tackling a little bit on Sunday, which we. We've seen throughout the year, anyway. But yeah, um, you, you know what, Dylan? Um, so much so, as much as you could say they missed Oldo Beckham Jr. Sunday. To me, watching the game, and I was watching it up there with Paulie and uh, Jeff Eagles. You know who they really missed Sunday? They really missed Landon Collins Sunday. Uh, I mean, because Landon is your best tackler on the team, and uh, the mm-hmm. tackling, yep, was was lacking. You're a hundred percent. Good point, Dill. Yeah, I, I mean, like like I said, I know he's a big guy. It's hard to bring down, but I think a lot of it was fundamentals. There was a lot of arm tackling more than trying to put a hit on him and wrap up, especially hit him low to bring him down low. Um, I'll switch over to, to offense. I've um, After the game, you know, you see the media and then also uh, fans' comments on social media. Um, once once the Giants lose, you know, we've talked about the narrative all year on the quarterback, Eli Manning. But everybody, you know, now they're jumping ship and saying, well, Eli's got to go. He can't come back in 2019 and all this stuff. But I completely disagree with all that because comparing both quarterbacks Sunday, Eli Manning outperformed Marcus Mariota by far. He, Marcus Mariota only had 88 yards. 
well, throwing the ball. Yeah, you know, it was all Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you, you know what? L listen, Dylan, you, you're, you're preaching to the choir, both myself and, and Paul, but I, I'm not going to say Eli outperformed Marcus. Marcus did what Marcus needed to do, and and, and the few times handed to Henry, yeah, no, <laughs> thirty-three no, but, times. No, but it, that's what that's what he needed to do. <laughs> that's so, true. So don't you, you know that that's I, I would disagree with you on that. And simply the one thing that Marcus was able to do for for his eighty-eight yards, he, you know, and that's what I said prior to the game when I was on a radio Sunday morning. I said prior to the game, I said the Giants' defense needed to do two things. They needed to. Slow down, not stop. They needed to slow down Henry and keep Marcus Mariota in the pocket because when he roams, whether it be to the left or to the right, that's when he's most dangerous. He, and he can certainly is very good at using his feet. And for the few times that he needed to, he took care of business. So in that respect, I'll, I'll disagree. But uh, l listen, you, you you get no argument from me, but as, as I, I've used this expression uh, and, and and I stole the expression from former GM Ernie Acorsi, and he said the quarterback, Russ, is always the lightning rod, and that is it. And with this team, Eli Manning is the lightning rod, and then some. I, I said it to Paul before we were going on the air. I said it to Dan, our producer here. I have never seen an athlete at this level be as disrespected as Eli Manning has been the last year and a half. Oh, yeah, and especially all, all he's done from, for the franchise and the community. He's, he's been one of, I mean, obviously he's been a Walter Payton Man of the Year before. He's, he's done so much for the community and the team and just, you know, seeing all the, like you said, the disrespect, it's just, it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, I mean, well, well, Dale, well, like I said last week, I have never come, forget an athlete, and thanks for the call, buddy. Always appreciate your insight, Dylan. I've never come across an athlete, uh, Paulie, forget, uh, forget being an athlete. I haven't come across a person in my lifetime who I've dealt with on a personal basis on such an even keel as Eli Manning. Nobody, not in sports or mm -hmm. out of sports. I, I mean, the crap that he's put up with, God bless him. And, and mm -hmm. listen, Eli doesn't need any violence played for him. He, he's a rich man. He, he's done very well for himself. He's got a wonderful family. Uh, he, he's fine. But the crap that he's put up with and the nonsense, and, you know, it was evident there yesterday, like it's, it's ridiculous. Well, you know, folks in New York City have a habit of, of picking on some of their, their legends. Yep. They booed Phil Sims, which I still don't understand. And my dad tells me they booed Mickey Mantle at Yankee Stadium. I mean, you know, I, I look, I don't get how people at the Garden booed Patrick Ewing. Yeah, well, now, I know he didn't win a championship. Okay, Phil won a championship. Mickey Mantle won World Series titles. Multiple ones, I might add. And MVPs. But they booed him. They booed Ewing. They booed Franco. They booed Sims. I, I don't, I don't know what possesses people to do those things when the guy has given you everything and more. Uh, boggles the mind, and Eli certainly fits in that category of a guy who has absolutely been unjustifiably slammed. But of course, we also live in that Twitter society and clickbait society, where newspapers need to sell papers and. TV and radio shows need to get ratings. So that's the easiest way to do it. Just start throwing tomatoes at, at a hero. 
that's that's a real good way to get attention. Well, Paulie, you used to sit there with me. Remember what Parcells used to say about Sims? Yeah. Uh, Years from now, you'll say the guy ain't no Phil Sims. No, that number 11 was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Number 10 wasn't bad either, huh? Uh, That's for sure. All right. Let's go to uh, Pennsylvania. Check in with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? You're on with Russ and Paul. Hey, fine. The two wise owls, you get to talk to a lot lot of nostalgia there. Roger Maris was booed there too, Paul, you know. With, with well, you know, yeah. but you know what, Joe? Roger was kind of viewed as, as the evil one because, remember, Mantle was the good guy. They all wanted him to break the record if it was going to fall, the home run record of Roots. And and that's why they kind of viewed Maris as the, the black sheep a little bit. So there was there was that, that whole, you know, good guy, bad guy thing that, that the people put on him. That's a little different than what we're talking about here. My dad tells me the last two or three years when Mantle would come up to the plate at Yankee Stadium, if he struck out and he was basically on one leg and, and, he, and he was falling practically, people would boo him. I, I mean, Joe, that's I, where, where does I, that I come from? Him, I guess is, is uh, I was just about 6'7", right around 60 and stuff like that when he was going out, you know, so I could recall a little bit. But they didn't boo uh, Tittle. They didn't boo Tittle in 64 when that team was horrific and he was just getting bloodied every which way but loose. They didn't boo Tittle. They, they allowed him to exit in a classy fashion. Tittle was, yeah. but Tittle was a little different story, yeah. though, but Tittle wasn't yeah. here for all those years that these guys no. were here, whether he, you know, took them to the championship games or not. Uh, all right. What do on you that, got, Joe? On that last game there, you know, you were talking about tackling. I, I just think it was a lot of poor containment letting him. It's a shame that big running back got around the end. And then, the, you know what I mean, there was no containment. And then the corners had to come up. I don't know where our linebacker was. And then on offense, we'd get the ball. You know, they got the lead on us. The defense did keep them in there. And they just rushed four and we uh, against us. And, you know, we were making mistakes and gotten long yardage and it never worked out so that's my opinion on that game now here paul the other day i wanted to tune in again on uh you were talking about the refs you know what i mean in the calls you and lance i didn't get a chance to get in there on it i just said now what i wanted to say is what disgusts me most with them is is i i know they have a hard job when they when they have to make the calls instantly but it is a hard job review like that last game and you can see it's on the line it's disgusting so uh that's all i want to say about that now i'm thinking here this you know this game here is a tough one but in two weeks could be a real big game for us against dallas i don't know who they play if they would be tied with the eagles then they would need that game to win the division and i don't know if they would put us up to 8 o'clock on Sunday or not on that game. Joe, Joe, my suspicion, because the Giants are out of it, is that they would not be moved to the primetime game, but it would not shock me if Dallas still needs it to be a playoff team if that game is bumped to 430 as the second half of Fox's doubleheader. That Uh, would not shock me. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. If Dallas wins this week... It's theirs. I have not looked at their well, playoff compu- uh, computations. Well, the, the, the point being, and, you know, if I'm wrong, so be it, but they also own the tiebreakers o- over, I believe it's Dallas and, Wa- uh, Dallas and Washington, Philadelphia and Washington. It, so if they end up, if they end up going into this week, the final week of the season, one game ahead, it doesn't matter what happens because they'll own the tiebreakers. So even if they lost to the Giants, 
I think uh, then it's over with. You, you can look that up, Paul. I'm going to try right now. You gotta, Go ahead, Joe. What else you got, yeah. Joe? What, what I wanted to say there, too, there. Now, I was, I, I'm looking at Sterling Shepard, the way we, we use him, and I really don't like him on, on the outside going. I, I just think he's too short, and he's great over the middle where you can cut and get the ball to him. But when he's out there against, he's mostly too short against these defensive backs, and it's it's hard to get him the ball there, you know, unless he breaks through. And I used to think of him when he first came here, I used to think he's going to be a, another Victor Cruz. But Victor Cruz always came up with the big plays. I think Victor was a little taller than him, no? Uh, well, he, he, might, he, have was. Been, he might, might have been a little taller, but... Well, first of all, last week was a different circumstance because Odell wasn't in. And listen, I love Sterling. Uh, I mean, to me, he's a money guy. Unfortunately, it wasn't just – they all had lousy games. I don't know who oh, – had... I, I agree. Uh, you, you know, you know Eli, Sterling it, dropped it, it, a couple it, it, of passes. At the, uh, the opening drive, he had a ball on a bomb bounce off his chest, and he, dro- he dropped another first down. It was just a bad game. It, it yeah, was a bad I, game all around. Yeah, I I agree, but I said we were in it to the end. If we we could have scored a touchdown or so early, we would have still been in it to the end, but that's the way it goes. Thanks for taking my call. All right, my friend. Thank you. Anything there, Paul? Well, it, it, they would have clinched had they won, beaten the Colts this past week. So right. obviously, obviously, if they win this Sunday, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I can't actually confirm that yeah. yet, but what I will say. Cowboys clinch the it? NFC East title with a Cowboys win or a Cowboys tie and okay. a Redskins loss. So, I mean, if the, if the Cowboys win, it's over. Yeah, and I would, I would then doubt that the giant kickoff would be moved from yeah, 1 o'clock. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, if, if it doesn't matter, it certainly right. – I mean, if it did matter, I could possibly see that. You, you know, I mean, uh, uh, it depends what else – what what other games matter, you know, going into the final week? I think that would be the judge uh, on that. Let's go to uh, 201-939-4513 is the number. Our buddy in Delaware, Coach Marvin. Hello, Coach. You're on with Russ and Paul. How you doing? Hey, how you doing, Russ? How you doing, Paul? Good. Hi. Good. Merry Christmas. You guys. too. You too, my friend. What do you got today, Coach? Yeah, it was tough listening to this last, yesterday to see John and Lance go through what they were going through with the people. Uh, that game, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Paul talked about this a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. Tackling. Tackling was really bad. Yep. And um, also the, the will to tackle. I've seen a lot of guys running next to Henry and not giving an effort, not reaching, not doing anything to get him. So a little bit mistackling and the will to want to tackle. Um, but the crazy thing is they, they had a chance to stay in this game. I think it was 14. They made it 14-7 in the fourth quarter. So somehow we stayed in the game. And, and uh, that, you know, that, that showed that they were they were trying to uh, play. They were playing hard. Um, but offensively, can you guys hear me? Yeah, you're, you're breaking up a little. Are you, are you on a yeah. different line today, Coach? I, I, yeah, I kind of hear that, too. Um, the other side of the ball is uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I thought Tennessee played well in the sense that they were playing man-to-man and we couldn't get separation. And they were well um, gapped. 
there was really no gaps to run in. And they pursued Barkley everywhere he went. And that made it difficult for Eli that they couldn't run the ball and the receivers weren't getting separation. The only one that was getting any kind of separation was uh, Ingram. So, You, I, I you know what, Marvin? Was- Coach, as we discussed the previous five weeks, you know, there are things that you want to have to be a functional offense, whether it be good pass protection, you want the, the running back to be able to establish the running game, you want the quarterback to be able to use the play-action pass. All of these things that we keep saying are important factors into having a constructive offense. Well, on Sunday, none of those things were present. None of them. Correct. I would submit to you that the great Johnny Unitas – could have been shut out on Sunday the way that everything fell apart for the Giants' offense around Eli Manning. I, and I agree with that, Paul. The difference because I, I believe a lot of the states, the way they came into that game, they came in saying that Barkley wasn't going to beat them. If they were going to win this game, they were going to win this game throwing the ball. And the reason they couldn't throw the ball because you're playing man-to-man. Now you can send in these, these exotic blitzes where they were catching the offensive line off guard. Mm-hmm. And there were some plays where Eli got time to throw the ball. He had three seconds in some parts of that game. Coach, he did deliver it, by halftime, the- yeah, by, and by halftime, by the way, the Giants had seven drops for the game, and they had four by the time the first half had come to an end, which did right. not help the situation at all. Right. I, I, th- and, and- I Go ahead. I'm sorry, Coach. Go ahead. And I still feel that they didn't have a lot of separation. You didn't see guys running wide open through that secondary. Um, they may have had some drops, and, and I agree with that, but sometimes those defenders was right there. Yeah. The Titans ball. played well. Let's not kid ourselves now. The Titans played a very, very yes, good defensive did. game, and they deserve a ton of credit for it. I thought Vrabel did a masterful job scheming it but they executed as well. Well, I think that you just hit the nail on the head in terms of using the word execution. That's exactly what it was. And, and, and I, I, listen, uh, Coach and Paul, uh, for, for both you guys, you, you're talking about a situation the Giants went into that game without the top offensive – well, one of the top two offensive players, okay? Yeah. The, the top wide receiver in, in Odell Beckham Jr. When I went down on the field, like it was about 11-15 – just look, it was an awful day. And I was I was confident, a coach, of the Giants going into the game. But it was an awful, wet, windy, cold, nasty day. And I'm saying to myself, uh-oh. Granted, it was the same weather for the other team. But you had no Odell Beckham Jr. You had no Landon Collins. Weather was lousy. This does not bode well. And that's exactly what happened. Paul, to your point, yeah, they had some drops and this and this and that. And that's the point. They were playing without. They had key guys out. They did weren't a, they weren't good enough to afford to be able to make those mistakes. Good enough. They were flat out terrible. Uh, yeah. No. Ten penalties, three sacks, no running game whatsoever. Everything that the Giants did on Sunday turned out to be bad. Yeah, it, it was just a horrible, horrible day. And Coach Marvin, you know how I harp on missed tackles. As bad as the Giants were in, in compiling missed tackles, the Titans were fundamentally sound. How many missed yeah, tackles do you think they had in the game? Maybe five? You, you know... Yeah, that, they, they, 
they didn't miss a lot of tackles. And, and if they did miss them, they had enough support. To yeah. To after, the, after the missed tackle, there was no gap yard. Brilliant defensive performance, and they deserve to get the shutout that they I, earned. Y- y- you know what, Coach? And, they and they're the reason we lost. It wasn't what we didn't do. It was what they were Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Well, I would say it's a combination of the two. No, nah, they were real. The no, Titans' no. defense was the sensational. Ti- they we, deserve we, a tip of the cap. Without question. They really do. We, we, without question. And you, listen, they stopped. Saquon made life miserable. And that, that's just what it was. It was not a good game, but because Eli, as we say, Coach, is the lightning rod, Eli gets all the heat. Thanks, Coach Marvin. Well, Appreciate it. Plus, what he likes things, I, I think the fans are looking for a running quarterback. The, the thing they got to understand is these these defensive coordinators eventually they catch up to running quarterbacks and they do get injured, but they eventually figure out ways to get to. People think just because I'm stationary, I'm able to get sacked easy. It's just the way that the defenses are designed to stop certain people. Everybody, if you look at Lamar Jackson, he's running all over. Sure. Eventually, they're going to figure that out, and they're going to trap him in some cases and get to him. And he does get sacked. He does fumble. Hey, hey, coach. Quarterback is not the thing. Coach. The thing that you want in a quarterback, I believe what we want is a guy that has pocket um, awareness. That's all you want. Not a running quarterback. You want a guy that has pocket awareness. So I just want to leave it on that. You guys have a good Christmas. You're right, too, you too Coach, Coach Marvin. Appreciate all, it very much. Best, buddy. You yep. know, Russ, I got I got a, a, an angry Twitter that came at me, a tweet that came at me in the last 24 hours. Somebody was screaming that got to have, you know, a mobile quarterback. Got to have a running quarterback. It's it's absolutely imperative. Go punch up who, who's which quarterbacks have been sacked most in the NFL this season. Oh, you it's know who's ridiculous. number one? Russell Wilson, right? No. D- press Dak. Oh, Dak. Okay. And you know I think number two is? Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And, and Wilson's right up there. Yeah. Uh, and guys who have Mariotta legs is up there. Guys yeah, who have yeah, legs. Yeah. A lot of good that does them, right? Yeah. And oh, oh, by the way, okay, so so this one tweet really, really, really got under my skin because the guy was screaming how you have to have a running quarterback. And I'm thinking to myself, because he said it's boring watching Eli in the pocket and, and him getting sacked and getting pressured all the time. It's boring. I'm thinking to myself, okay, let's see. Let's go back to the ultimate scrambling quarterback of all time, Fran Tarkenton. Scrambling Fran. Okay? For five years, he was the Giants quarterback, made a few Pro Bowls, had had one winning season, one winning season, ran around like a maniac, was a lot of fun. Was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I love watching Fran Tarkenton play. But uh, running quarterback, how many Super Bowl rings does Fran Tarkenton have? And he played for some really good Vikings teams. You know why he doesn't have any Super Bowl rings? Because even the great Vikings teams that he took to the Super Bowl got manhandled in the trenches. Their running game featuring Chuck Foreman usually got neutralized in the Super Bowl by a bigger, stronger, more physical, and dominant defense on the AFC side of the ball. So they would take the running game away, and they would tell Fran, okay, Run for your life and see if you can beat us. And Fran would run for his life and usually get his head handed to him. Well, you, you okay? Would... So you you want you want the running quarterback? That's what you get. You'll get fun. You'll get excitement. You'll get some wild plays, but you're not gonna get a Super Bowl ring. Well, I, 
Listen, I'm not going to say you're not going to get a Super Bowl Odds with, are against with it. running quarterback. The, the point being, just because you have the legs doesn't mean you're not getting hit. See, uh, you th- know what that does? You know what that does, Russ? I'm sorry. I'm getting hot about this now because I, 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 I feel that enough of tweets in the last couple of days. I can tell. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Dan, can you tell he's getting hot? The yeah, running quarterback is nothing more than an excuse, okay? It's nothing more than an excuse. Every single expert or fan who demands a running quarterback, basically, that's because they're lazy. It's an excuse for the team not to build the foundation of a good offensive line and a and a good running game. Because those things take time. They take effort. They take coaching. They take knowledge. You got to be good in the draft. You got to be good in free agency. You got to coach those guys up. Those are the things those are the concrete pieces that a great house is built on. A running game and a terrific offensive line. Yeah, they're hard to come by. You got to use a lot of elbow grease to make that happen. But that's what really good, smart franchises do. They don't hide behind, I could have a running quarterback because I don't, I don't have a running game and I don't have an offensive line to protect him. <laughs> so I need a running quarterback. Yeah. Great. You're on a roll today, buddy boy. It's 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 a joke. Well, he, here's the list, Paul. It's the lazy way out to talk that way. I'm just not going to tolerate it anymore. He, here's the list, folks. Uh, I correct. I stand corrected. Dak Prescott is not number one. He's number two. Uh, most sacks this year by a quarterback, Deshaun Watson, 52. Followed closely at number two by Dak Prescott at 51. Followed uh, by Derek Carr. With 47, followed by Eli Manning with 46, Aaron Rodgers with 44, Russell Wilson with 42, Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota, each with, right, now hold, now hold each with 40. Eli and Ryan are the only two guys who would not be considered running quarterbacks, yeah, right, right? Right. Mariota, 40, Matthew Stafford, 37, you know, and on and on we go. Okay? So, and by the way, how many of those quarterbacks you just named? Have missed time because of injury. Somehow, the great pocket passer, Eli Manning, hasn't missed any games because of injury in, oh, uh, a long time. Like, never yeah. in his NFL career. Thank you. People seem Please to- go right ahead, Russ. <laughs> oh, he's on a roll today, folks. I'm glad it's him, not me. Let's go to Jackson here in Jackson, New Jersey, and check in with Timothy. How you doing today, Tim? You're on with Russ and... Paulie Dots. I'm fine. How are you? Good. How you Hello? doing? Fine. I got a question for you. Will head coach Patrick return to the Giants next season? Yes. I mean, you know, come on, Tim. Thank you for the call, but that that's getting a little silly. I mean, where is he going to go? I mean, Pat Sherman's here, so let, let's not be ridiculous. Let's go to uh, Courtney. Courtney, you're on with in New York. Courtney, you're on with Russ and Paul. How you doing? What's going on, Russ? How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm going to ask a question. I hope you don't hang up on me as well. Do you think that we should allow, well, not allow, do you think that Eli should return next year for his final season? Without question. Without question. I second that. Okay. See, but my, my, here's, my, here's my thing. 
every week we have like the reporters. I see um, Shermer goes to the interview, and we have the question: Will Eli start this week? Will Eli start this week? It's getting like redundant. Like, why do we have to ask every week if Eli Manning should start? Good question, Courtney. You just hit the nail Good on question. the head. But, but they're asking a the question. But but here's the thing: we have to sit back and realize. They're not asking if Matt Ryan is going to start this week. They're not asking if Aaron Rodgers is going to start this week. They're not asking if Tom Brady is going to start this week. But when you see smoke, there has to be some fire somewhere. So the people are asking if Eli is going to start because maybe the team needs some new energy, new blood. Oh, okay, okay, no. okay, Courtney, so let me ask you this, all right? You know, uh, think. let's think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. L- let's – the point that you're making, okay – I get it, and, and I've said this. Eli's a big boy. He can take the heat and the criticism, all right? Well, here you go. L- let's say you want to make a change. Let's say Courtney's the, the guy and, and you want to make a change, or for whatever reason you don't like Eli a quarterback, all right? Well, what you going to do? Are you going to start? Uh, is Kyle Laletta your answer? Is, is, is Tanny your answer? I mean, g- g- give me an option. But to, 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 to ask, wait, hold on a second, Courtney. To ask the same question each and every week, it's not just redundant, it's silly. Because you know okay. what? You know what the answer is. Okay, but here's the thing with, with me, Russ. When the Giants say, well, who are we going to start? Are we going to start Lalena or Tanny? But the Giants have to, all right, look at the New Orleans Saints, for example. The New Orleans Saints have three quarterbacks on that roster just in case. Drew Brees get hurt, they can plug in and play. When the Giants go out and sign Tanny that played three snaps in nine years uh, co- and have Kyle Aletta, Co- it's like, guys, Co- we're Co- keeping ourselves Co- close to Eli. Courtney, come on. I mean, let's be fair. You're talking, you're making a comparison with a 12-win team and a five-win team. One well, is we have, a, what, we have a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. We should be over. We should at least win eight games. Uh, no, I mean Courtney, you're. I'm, I have to strongly disagree with you, and I appreciate your call. But you're talking about a three and thirteen team last year, okay? You're talking about Paul. You you, you tell him. You're talking about a three and thirteen team last year. It was. It wasn't just a quarterback. They need fixing every which way. Let's go back to an earlier point, with only thirteen players on the team from last year and if football as many people have said and I do believe it is the ultimate team game how in the world are you to are you supposed to have a double digit win team with a roster that has had that much turnover in retrospect now don't get me wrong because I was one of those guys at the beginning of the season during the offseason that said it's possible if every domino falls right that the Giants could sniff a wild card conversation. I did say that. If every domino felt right, I thought that there was a chance they could sniff that. But every domino hasn't fallen right. A number of important things have gone wrong, including four different additions of the offensive line, which, by the way, is the number one thing that has gone wrong for this team. But, but you're right, Paul, But and nobody is more positive. Uh, folks, I say this. Clearly, because it's the truth. I don't know anybody who's more positive about the Giants, who's growing up, loving the Giants, anybody more than Paul Latino. But that said, Paul is not 
the Chamber of Commerce. If there's things wrong, he'll tell you that there are things wrong. But the thing with Eli is, is you know, Courtney was asking questions, you, you know, where, where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, Eli's going to be the first guy to tell you I'm closer to the end than the beginning. That's no secret. No, of course but, not. But here, every, the minute he does something wrong, that's the end of the world. I, they lost the game yesterday, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm hearing, you know, Sam Donald's name brought up that hasn't been brought up for weeks. Like Sam, I didn't hear anybody bellyaching, whining about Saquon Barkley being the Giants' top pick, you know, at number two I'm going to take you one better. I'm going to take you one better. Eli Manning's going to be the starting quarterback for this team, in, in my estimation, 2019. I've been saying that for months, okay? And I've agreed. How much do you want to bet? We'll put the money down right now on the table. The Giants could win their first eight games out of the box. And in week nine, when they lose and fall to eight and one, the first question the writers and the fans are going to want to know is, shouldn't Eli be benched? That's how much vigor and and fire and, and garbage has been stirred up and thrown at the wall against this guy. I still believe it's age discrimination because if I'm serious, if he was 32, then nobody would look at his performance and say that he deserves to retire or deserves to be benched. No, they're, I, they're attaching his age to it, and that's why they're trying to run this guy off the, off the roster. I'll disagree with that. I, I, I um, because of the listen, it's that happens in all sports. The minute, it, once you are at a certain age, I guess you could call it age discrimination. That's exactly it, what it is. Once you reach a certain age, that becomes an excuse when it's not happening, okay? Or, or it's not happening as it happened in the past. It's just the situation, and this is New York, and it is the microscope, and that's the way it is. And Eli can handle it, but just because he can handle it doesn't mean that it's fair. I mean, yesterday, the first question... They just lost a game. They just lost a game. They got their rear ends handed to them. And the first question was about Kyle Loletta, a fourth-round pick out of Richmond. That's your first question. Remember this, folks, and, and Paul and I have said this several times. The same people last year, the same exact people who were, like, you know, killing the Giants – for the benching of Eli Manning, okay? Those people didn't care about Eli then. They want, but it was a good narrative. It was a good way for them to get at Ben McAdoo, who they didn't like. So those, they went after that situation then. But the same people who criticized Eli's benching were the same people, forget now after 14 games, after they lost the second game of the season to Dallas, the Sunday mm-hmm. night game, mm-hmm. everybody was on his ass the next day, oh, they made a mistake. Oh, they made it. They drafted the wrong guy. Oh, that's what the narrative was. Then Saquon shut everybody up. You know, Eli had gone into Houston, won that game. Then it was one and seven. He played one of the best games of his career, I might add. Yeah, I think they were twenty-five for twenty. And, and, and by the way, Eli, as a body of work this season, he's been better this year than he was last year. Well, He's improved. Yeah, last year was a lousy year. Last year was a, was a bad year yeah, for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he has improved. If you if you want to say he's gotten better with age, like fine wine, I'll buy that too. It, 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 again, no. I mean, I'll, I'll use the expression. 
Eli is the lightning rod. The quarterback is the lightning rod. And here in New York, it's two lightning rods. Let's go to the Poconos and check in with Dan. Dan, you're on with Russ and Paul. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm, do- I'm doing great, fellas. It's always a pleasure to talk to you two guys. Hello. I just had a. Thank you, sir. Go I, ahead. I okay, thanks. Um, I'm not going to beat on it too much because I just had a call in because, uh, you know, thank goodness. I got a quick story for you, and then I just want to mention about the news, the news conference. I live out in Pennsylvania, and, uh, you know, I'm doing some shopping, Christmas shopping, and then I get up, get up to the line, and I get up to the register, and a whole bunch of lined-up registers in this big store, and this guy's got this Super Bowl champion Eagle shirt on, and I got my Giants shirt on, you know, <laughs> so we're, like, looking at each other. We're eyeing each other out, you know. You know t- t- timing in but, life is everything, Dan. <laughs> I, I know. He could have he handed it to me good because he deserved, you know, we kind of deserve, especially after that, that egg we laid on Sunday. But – he said to me, he was actually a decent guy. I was shocked. And he said, he goes, oh, not that he knew anything because of this statement he made. He says, he goes, not for not. He goes, hey, you know, you guys got, you know, a lot of young players. And he goes, but you need a quarterback. I'm like, but wait a minute. I said, just wait a minute. Because I just had this argument, with, not argument. My wife and I were just talking about the knuckleheads that want the quick fix. Oh, yeah, get rid of the quarterback. I said, listen, when we were doing 4-1, we should have been 5-0 and when we got robbed against you guys, I told him. I said, nobody was saying we needed a new quarterback then, you know, but the first game, and like, uh, Paul, I just heard you say they could go 8-0 the first game, bang, you know, that's it. Eli's the problem. Oh, yeah, let's get rid of him, you know. But, well, you, you know but, what it is? The, the writers got tired of writing about Odell Beckham Jr. So he's the magnet that I, automatically gets them attention. And finally, when Odell came into training camp and proved all of them wrong, that he wasn't holding out, and then when he signed his contract, which proved all of them wrong again, they had to find somebody else to get attention. And they've decided that Eli, the quarterback, is always the easy one. So let's just yep. make Eli the hot spot. That's what this is about. Yep. Yep, how true, how true. And they're so disappointed, probably, that Odell has gotten my act together. And my own brother said, oh, Odell's going to have his uh, breakdown after week six, week seven. I'm still texting them saying, I'm still waiting for that breakdown, brother. You know, yeah. it never happened, so they're all disappointed. But, that, you know, thank God uh, for the two of you guys calling all those. Uh, it was almost hard to listen to that press conference. Every other question was, like you, you guys have pointed out, and, and Russ, thank you for you pointing all this stuff out, and especially that guy on ESPN about how, you know, that booger, whatever his name is. I mean, <laughs> I'm just so grateful for you two guys to listen to, you know, because you, you guys know what you're talking about. Uh, all right. Yeah, and and how, how long are those mobile quarterbacks even going to last, right? And you touched on that, too. Eli, never, never, he's there every Sunday, you know. When these guys last, RG3 came out, oh, my God, he's going to tear up the league. He only lasted a couple of years, right, because they're running around like crazy people, mm-hmm. and they're going to get it after a while. It's going to get them once, sooner or later. Well, thanks, buddy. All right, right, Danny. Listen, happy holiday. Merry Christmas. You and the family, bud. Be well, man. Enjoy. Same to you. 201-939-4513. What do you say, Paulie? We head out to Vegas and check in with Chip. How you doing, Chip? You're on with Russ and Paul. Gentlemen. Hello. How are you? You too. Doing all right, sir. How you doing? Good. I have to say, first of all, I've been a listener for almost two years. I'm a first-time caller, and I'm just honored to speak with you both as I value all your comments and everything highly. <laughs> thank so you thank for you chi- chiming in. That you do. Appreciate it. What do you got? Um, I, I just want to say a couple things. First of all, I, I completely agree with what everybody's been saying about Eli. You know that pretty much, yeah, he, he is a pocket passer. That's the way he is. And why do we need a, a mobile quarterback? It doesn't make sense. And in your opinion, both of you, 
Don't you agree that these mobile quarterbacks are more sustainable to injuries? Of course they are. Of course. They, look, they, there's, mm. there's no question about that. If, if you rely too much on one of these mobile quarterbacks to be the key component in your offense, okay, you're doing, you're doing lip service to everything else on the unit because these guys, they're playing with fire every time that they start running around like a maniac. RG3 was the poster child for this. It just doesn't make sense. Don't take the lazy way out. Build the foundation. Build the offensive line. Build the running game. And let me tell you something. Once you do that, okay, once you do that, you can have Trent Dilfer, who, by the way, beat the Giants in Super Bowl 35 when he was with the Ravens. Yeah, but hold you on. Don't that, even... that was based on defense. Yeah, they had not... a terrific defense, but Jamal Lewis ran for 2,000 yards, Russ. I, I know, but... It, it, they had a really good right? offensive line and a running game. But the, the, that, that success of that team was predicated I get it. on I defense. I get it. But the point, the point remains, if I'm strictly going to talk about offense, when you build a solid offensive line and you build a running game and you take care of those two things first, the concrete on which your house is standing is as solid as a rock. And you have a really good chance of being a really good team for years to come. That is always going to be the blueprint in professional football. Anybody who builds the other way around reversing it by saying let's go for the scrambling running quarterback and they're going to play lip service to the other spots they're going to be sorry yeah but let, let's just be careful about one thing here okay uh paul you and i certainly agree on eli okay I, i'm not saying quote unquote a running quarterback but let's let's not downplay if you have a quarterback who, you know, is a terrific quarterback in the pocket who also has the ability to, to run. I, I mean, let's not downplay, you know, that it's a bonus having a guy with legs. Listen, would you like, is Pat Mahomes a good quarterback? Oh, sure. Well, that, but it, but bonus saying. is the proper word. It should not be the priority. No, exactly. That, I, that now you touched on something else. That I agree with. The onus, yes, but... The priority has to be the line and the running game. Without question. A quarterback who has legs is a bonus because it's not going to be the primary focus of your offense. Uh, uh, There's uh, nothing wrong with that. But but having a quarterback who has escapability on top of everything else, that is a bonus. And that's a good thing to have. I, I can't uh, Go ahead, Chip. Can't dispute that. What else, Chip? No, no worries, guys. No, appreciate everything. And, Russ, I, I do agree that quarterback does need to have legs. And you know what? Eli does. You can break that at times. So, you know, I, I have no issues with that. It's great. So, other, other than that, I just have a theory, and please uh, tell me if you agree with this. It's kind of far-fetched, but don't you think Mike Vrabel was kind of very upset that the Giants took away his Super Bowl ring in 42 and uh, really wanted to, you know, make sure that his team was ready? I'm just saying. You know, I'm very, very heartbroken with the loss, of course, but I just look at it from... Well, the Titans in the, are in the middle of a playoff hunt. They badly, badly needed the game. And he did everything he could to get his guys ready, and they went out there and produced. I don't know that there's anything more to be said than that. Well, it, it, it's also, Chip, and thank you for the call, buddy. But listen, Mike Vrabel was a hell of a player. 
it appears that he's a pretty good coach. Does seem that he, way. He had right? his team ready. And, and, you know, that's your competitiveness. I mean, of course, you know, if, if he's got a thing for the Giants that adds him a little edge, I mean, I don't think he gets blinded by anything. But, you know, is it sweet for him to beat the Giants? I'm sure it is. I get that. Understa- yeah. Understandably so. Uh-oh. You see who's online, too? You see who's online, too? I have too? a bad feeling about this. Uh-oh. Here we go. Losing his mind. Mr. Illness. He wasn't right in the hat. Enough jokes. I am happy. You're a madman. And there we go. Ch- Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I could have been a contender, Charlie. And this is our hey. friend Charlie from Portland, Maine. How we doing? Hey, Russ. Hey, Paul. What's going hey, on, uh, Charlie? I got to chime in on this. You know, uh, a lot of Giants fans are just upset because for the last five or six years we haven't won. But that wasn't because of Eli. That was because one ex-general manager didn't help us get an offensive line for a lot of years when we needed one. Or a substantial and, running game. Yeah, and the running game. And then also, you got to remember, like, in 2016, who was the best player on the field for the New York Giants against that Packer playoff game? Number 10. The guy 10. who came to play was number 10, mm-hmm. was Eli Manning. He had about, what, six, seven drops in that game? And, and he a came to play. A couple of touchdowns, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and Eli and, and escapability. Does anybody remember Super Bowl when he escaped and threw that ball to Tyree? There's some escapability. <laughs> you know what, okay? Charlie? I, I, that, that, really, buddy, thank you for bringing that up. And I will never, ever take anything away from David Tyree for that miraculous catch. However, that miraculous catch, you're dead on, Charles. Uh, Charles. Without that miraculous, that miraculous catch does not happen without that unbelievable escape by one Eli Manning, the guy who can't and, run. Yeah, and also that he tries to make a play. He threw that ball, and he said, my guy's going to go up and get it, you know, and, and, and that's what he does. And Eli is not the problem on this team. And the other thing, if we end up winning the next two games, and you got to remember, Eli's going back to uh, the uh, – you know, Indianapolis's uh, stadium where he won Super Bowl, you know, 2011. Yeah. He, he, Lucas Stadium, right? Yes, Lucas He's going to have stadium. a great game. He's going to have a great game, and he's going to put up some points. It's going to be no rain. There's not going to be any wind. And he's going to remember playing in that stadium, and he's going to remember that he won a Super Bowl there. And I think he's going to play real well. And if we end up 6-2 and two these last eight games, tell me what's wrong with that. Well, you, you, you're preaching to the choir on that, Charlie. Jeez, you know? listen to us here. We're making sense with Charlie. We're all agreeing. <laughs> Boy, it's going to be a happy 2019, Charlie. That that's bodes well for all of us. <laughs> hey, uh, Eli is not the, not the problem. Yeah, I mean, look at Dan Marino. He's probably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Was he a running quarterback? No, no but no. he can move around in the pocket. Yes, he could. That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need a guy running all over the place. You know, extending plays. Because a lot of times, you know, like you said, they're going to get injured. They're going to get hurt. Jackson's going to get hurt. I mean, it's a matter of time. And uh, Eli's Mr. Durable, just like you said, Paul. I mean, the guy's played every game, and he could have played that one game when they sat him down. He has never been injured, knock on wood. And, and look at all the sacks he's taken in the years. I mean, he must have taken probably 
I don't know, the most sacks, or he must be up there. You know what, Charlie? I mean, to to be fair, and I'm just going to bring this point up while you're on the line because you're you're clearly vocalizing an opinion that we share here in the studio. But I want to say something. You know, people keep saying, well, they see, they see, they see. Did you watch Peyton Manning in his last year with the Broncos when that team carried him to a Super Bowl championship through defense, special teams, and basically a front and and a run game that was able to do everything else and basically allow him to be the custodian of that Super Bowl team? If you compare that edition of Peyton Manning to this edition of Eli Manning, you could tell that Eli is nowhere near finished yet. Peyton was on his last legs. He was on fumes in his last year when he won a championship with the Broncos because all of the other components were there for him. Okay? Right, right, Charlie? I mean, you, you've seen it. Eli looks nothing like what his brother looked like in his last year in the NFL. By the way, Charlie, I, exactly. I, I think you just brought this up. For his career, Eli has been sacked. Uh, and still counting 405 times. And, yeah. and, and so far at 46, uh, that is his high mark, which is uh, his previous high was 2013. It was like 30-something. 30 39. Yeah. So he's, he's already at seven more with two games still left to play. Yeah. I mean, he's Mr. Durable. He's Mr. Clutch. He still can play. And, you know, I mean, that's not saying, hey, if they want to draft a young quarterback next year, at some point, yeah, fine, do it. But he is not done, and unless he decides he doesn't want to play anymore. But it sounds like he's uh, still having fun. He's getting in the in celebrations with the with the guys. The guy wants to play. He can play. And if we end up six and two after you know what when we started one and seven, Eli is going to be our quarterback next year. Yeah, you, you know what's funny. You know what's funny, Charlie. When the Giants had a good offensive line. Coughlin and the Giants were always in the playoff hunt, and they won two Super Bowl rings. After that line got old and finally graduated from the NFL and moved on, and then they weren't replenished, all of a sudden the Giants stopped making the playoffs. Gee, what a coincidence! (laughs) Charlie, thanks for the call, buddy. Happy yeah. Happy Holidays. That's what I've been screaming about for four years. Hey, happy holidays. You, to you too, Charlie. You too, Charlie. Happy holiday to you and your family. Look, we, <laughs> we we just finished the 14th game of the season, and it seems like the Eli narrative just doesn't go away. And it's not going to go it, away, it, Russ. It, it took a little respite for the last, you know, because they won four out of five games, and that was okay. But, you know, and quite frankly, the minute they lost to the Eagles, it was back. Then we had a reprieve, yeah. and then it's back. It's just, that's the way and it is. And next year, if he doesn't go 16-0 and and run the table through a Super Bowl victory, <laughs> they're going to start throwing arrows at him again. Yeah, but for- that's just the way it's going to be. Fortunately, uh, Eli is made up of what he's made up of, which is, you know, steel insides. You know, that, that, that. Opie from Mayberry Exterior doesn't tell the story about one tough cookie in Eli Manning. Anyway, folks, that is a wrap on today. Our thanks to our producer, Dan, across the way, handling the boards. As always, my buddy here, Paulie Dots. I am Russ Salzberg. Many thanks to you people out there. This duo will be back here tomorrow, so we look forward to hearing from you again. Meantime, have yourselves a great evening.